You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Welcome to your Canadian's Connection on Rocket Sports Radio. This premier hockey podcast featured at CanadiansConnection.fm brings you the latest news, in-depth analysis, and expert commentary about the NHL's most storied franchise, the Montreal Canadiens, hosted by Rick Stevens and Michael Spinella. Our team of credentialed journalists provides behind-the-scenes insight on the Canadians, designed to inform, entertain, and engage Habs fans around the globe. We are proud to be the trusted source for all things Habs for more than a decade. This is the Canadians Connection Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio, keeping you informed, engaged, and entertained. My name is Michael Spinella, and I'll be your host for the next hour. This is episode 281 of the Canadians Connection podcast, and I'm very pleased to be joined in the studio by my co-host, the editor, editor of the Hockey News Montreal, the founder and the president of Rocket Sports, Mr. Rick Stevens. And Rick, how are you doing today? Doing great, thanks. Michael, thanks for uh, the introduction. And um, how are you doing? I hope um, that... Uh, was it a quiet week for you? <laughs> it was supposed to be a, a week, uh, a break week, um, a bye week, uh, the all-star break week, but uh, lots of things happening, and uh, we're happy to... Um, Run them down all to in today's show. It's it's a busy show as it turns out. Um, this first show of February, um, where you watching the who's the uh, Fred the Marmot? Um, yeah, uh, I think it, they they all said it's going to be an early spring. Okay, yeah, that would be nice. Uh, certainly facing some hockey game withdrawal this past week. Um, uh, Montreal only playing one game, and it feels like it happened a long, long time ago. Feels like it. And, uh, well, early spring, I don't know. That, that just means that uh, the hockey season's come to an end. So I'm, I'm a little bit bittersweet, maybe. Well, you, you can go to a game in your shorts. How about that? Yeah, that's fair. I can do that. All right. <laughs> but uh, like you said, very busy uh, show uh, that we have lined up today. Uh, we'll take you through everything Montreal Canadiens uh, from this past week. Uh, some big roster news. Uh, we'll talk about the prospects and then some big news coming out from uh, the NHL. And then segment two, uh, we'll take a look into that Rocket Sports mailbag. It's been a little while since we've taken uh, questions from our uh, listeners and viewers. So uh, very excited to get to that. We have uh, a nice mix of different uh, perspectives. And then in segment three, uh, we'll turn it back to our listeners for the Have Your Say segment. Our Canadians Connection question of the week is... Now that Monaghan has been traded, which veteran defenseman should be moved first, Savard or Matheson? And uh, for people uh, that might be interested in letting us know their thoughts on that or just any uh, thoughts, comments, and questions in general, what's the best way for them to do so, Rick? Well, I think that uh, our listeners know that they can text us. They can text us 24 hours a day because they've been doing exactly that and, and filling 
uh, our text inbox, um, and and we'll get to that as you said in. Uh, the second segment. If you have anything to say about uh, the Montreal Canadiens, about this show, um, about thoughts that are going on in in your head, uh, text us at five eight five three Rocket. The Rocket Sports text line five eight five three Rocket. You can also reach out to us on our social media. Just make sure you're following at Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Also, we have a website, CanadiansConnection.fm. And uh, please make sure that you check out our uh, comprehensive pregame previews and postgame recaps for every Montreal Canadiens game at THN.com slash Montreal. That's the hockey news for Montreal. And here's what's happened since we've been gone. And like I said, just the one game. It feels like it happened a long time ago. Going all the way back to January the 27th, Montreal visits Pittsburgh and they lose in overtime 3-2. to two. Habs went up one nothing. Then the Pens tied at one to one. Habs then go up two to one. Then the Pens tied up two to two, and in overtime, it's Marcus Pedersen who makes no mistake finding the back of the net. The Pens find a way to muster a win, although they never had a lead in this one. A solid, solid start from Jake Allen in this one. I don't think you could have asked for much more from your goaltender. I think you're absolutely right. Uh, Marty St. Louis was really happy with uh, the work of Jake Allen. Uh, talking about keeping his team in the game um, uh, and and said, uh, especially when um, they were under siege, and um, some, said something that uh, Jake Allen must be wondering about, again, not getting uh, the goal support that he needed. Um, it was, yeah, Jake Allen um, uh, was, was uh, terrific in this game. Um, the shots, 33-27, um, that's not a big difference uh, for Pittsburgh, but... But it was in the quality of the shots. High danger opportunities were 19 to 9 for Pittsburgh. Um, so Allen standing on his head. Um, and that two on one uh, that happened, Marcus Pedersen in uh, overtime. Who was the player who uh, made the turnover? That would be a one, Mike Matheson. And we're going to be uh, talking about <laughs> Mike Matheson, as you mentioned. In our question of the week, uh, the only other thing I want to mention about this game, Lars Eller with his thousandth game um, and uh, in a, a Penguins uniform these days, a 15 year NHL career. Always liked Lars Eller, maybe didn't get a fair shake in in Montreal, but uh, he looked very happy on this night and uh, got a very Lars Eller like goal. So the Canadians record now 20, 21 and eight. That's 48 points and 26 in the NHL. Uh, currently, they have a 2.6% chance of making the playoffs, uh, currently on a 79-point uh, pace. Uh, make sure that you check out the Habs notepad, Habs headlines, and feature articles and game day posts appear regularly at THN.com slash Montreal. That's the hockey news for Montreal. Taking a look at roster news, uh, lots of big news. Uh, starting off, uh, the Canadians placed uh, Nicholas Bodin on unconditional waivers for purpose of terminating his contract. Uh, the team and the player mutually agreed to move on here. Uh, Bodan spent uh, the last two seasons with the Laval Rocket in the AHL, uh, scoring two goals and adding 29 points in 55 games. Yeah, the, he uh, easily cleared waivers and uh, the contract was terminated. Um, it's it's best for both uh, the team and the player. Uh, Nicholas Bodan, through his agent, had complained about his ice time and said, play me or, or uh, move me, and uh, so uh, the Montreal Canadiens accommodated. Um, he had a hard time getting in the lineup this year, 
uh, given that, um, you know, the Arbor Jacki was down, um, Logan Mayhew's having a terrific season, Matthias Norlander, there was just wasn't room for him. Uh, so he's moved over to the Czech League and will be playing for Sparta Praha. A bit of a minor transaction. Uh, Lucas Condotta was loaned to the Laval Rocket. He spent uh, two games in the NHL and uh, failed to get on the score sheet. Uh, I don't think he contributed too, too much in general, uh, not getting a ton of minutes and playing on that fourth line. With the, the Canadians being on break, uh, this made sense to get Lucas Condotta back to Laval where he could play in games and contribute. Uh, given the roster changes, uh, you may see um, Lucas Condotta back, um, uh, or maybe it's uh, another center like Mitchell Stevens um, this coming this coming week. And as you said, uh, the Sean Monahan trade went down this past week. Uh, he moves on to the Winnipeg Jets in exchange for a first round pick in 2024 and a conditional third round pick in 2027. I think a pretty good uh, return for the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, the Jets add to their center depth, uh, adding a much-needed veteran uh, within that forward group, and uh, I think he's going to be a great fit there. If you're Montreal, I think you got pretty much what you asked for. This was the right move at the right time. Uh, if you hold on to Monaghan any longer, there's more risk for injury, so I'm glad this is done. Uh, the first big move for Kent Hughes leading up to that trade deadline. I expect that... Um you know, the first team to come with a with a first round pick to uh, Kent Hughes. Um, you know, it, it was uh, Hughes was was anxious to get this done. Um, and the the news about Lindholm being uh, traded to Vancouver earlier in the week, both general managers, Shovel Dayoff and Hughes said that triggered um, the the accelerated discussions on Monaghan. Um, there is, you know, one less one less uh, commodity on the on the shelf and so the jets um who were 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 definitely in on the the uh, Lindholm um negotiations uh went with their their plan B and it's it's a great plan B and I think a really good fit for the Winnipeg Jets uh the kind of uh, player he is the way he can contribute uh up and down the lineup uh good with their younger players uh, the Jets have uh, trouble on faceoffs. He'll he'll uh, probably be uh, the Jets' uh, best faceoff uh, guy immediately. He can help out on the power play and uh, the penalty kills. So um, really good um, a fit for for Winnipeg. And um, and listen, this was going to happen. Um, I think there was there was little question. You know, it was Darren Drager a few weeks ago who. Um, who reported that there was a, a a wink and a nod, a handshake kind of deal at the beginning of the season when Sean Monaghan signed with Montreal that he'd come on a, a bargain deal, and it was a bargain deal, and that made him easier to move uh, for, for Kent Hughes. Uh, there was a deal that uh, if the Canadians were not in playoff contention and if they weren't intending to sign him to a long-term contract, uh, that he would be moved to a contender. Um, and that's exactly what happened. Uh, we played the the clip a couple weeks ago on the show uh, of um, Kent Hughes being asked that question in his midseason review. And he, as we said at the time, he danced around it a bit, but you knew that um, that, that uh, deal was was kind of in place. Um, so this, I, I think... Uh, there was when the Lindholm uh, trade happened, and and it included prospects, and 
Um, I, I think there was some expectations um, th- that uh, the Canadians would be getting prospects back. Um, if you know anything about Shovel Dayoff, uh, in his deals, he, he'll give up picks, but not prospects. So I think that this was, um, I think that this was good value. Uh, the Canadians get a, are going to get a late uh, first round pick, probably in the bottom six. Um, the, the Jets have, uh, are going to have an early second round pick from the Canadians. Um, uh, so it's fine for them. Um, and I think the, the key here is, and, and I should say about that conditional third round pick, uh, the, the condition is that, uh, it, it happens and it doesn't happen until 2027. If the Winnipeg Jets win the Stanley cup this season, what are the chances of that? Currently, uh, the mm-hmm. odds on the Jets winning the cup, 5.4%. So 95% chance that that they don't get the third round pick. Why would, would Hughes do that? Well, I think so he can say in the media that he got multiple assets, um, and especially in light of, of uh, what Vancouver gave up for Lindholm. Um, he looks a bit better rather than if it's just a, you know, a stark uh, one pick. Uh, he's got multiple assets, maybe, um, and there's a little likelihood that 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 doesn't happen. For me, um, the the real big um, win for Hughes in this is that he isn't retaining any salary. Now, um, the Jets can afford um, can afford Monahan and and can probably afford to add to their defensive depth as well uh, with their cap space. But uh, the fact that um, that Kent Hughes didn't have to uh, w- retain any salary. It's not so much that they can't afford it on the cap. It's those retention slots. And we've talked about this before, that uh, Kent Hughes has already used up. You're allowed three. He's already used up two of those retention slots, one for Joel Edmondson, one for Jeff Petrie. He only has one left. Um, and as he said in the press conference, uh, he wants to be able to use that other retention slot either um, you know, in a trade of of uh, one of their other veterans, uh, or um, in a playing a, a, a third party broker taking on salary, um, like he's done before. So I, I think all in all, um, Canadians fans should be um, pretty happy. Um, not I, I know that that uh, that fans are not happy to see Monaghan go, and that leaves some. Um, you know, a big hole there, um, especially with, um, you know, the, the lack of centers right now. It's Jake Evans. It's going to be Kondata, Mitchell Stevens, whoever, along with Nick Suzuki, until uh, Alex um, Newhook comes back. And uh, Kent Hughes said that should happen sometime within the week. So um, I, I think I think be happy. Be happy that... Um, that uh, there are two first-round picks uh, yeah. essentially coming back um, from Sean Monaghan, um, the, the maneuverings with Sean Monaghan, and uh, this is this is the kind of asset management we want to see, even though it's hard to see a player who was so loved by his teammates and by fans uh, move on to another team. Absolutely, and uh, of course, like you just said at the end there, Montreal acquiring Sean Monaghan with a first-round pick from the Calgary Flames uh, just in order to help them get uh, his contract off the books. 
Um, the intention the whole way, I think, was to flip out Monaghan and getting a first-round pick back for him, essentially turning Sean Monaghan into two first-round picks is absolutely phenomenal asset management uh, from Kent Hughes. Um, it was unfortunate that uh, he couldn't be flipped out last season. I know the injury got in the way, but uh, things did uh, come around and work out. Uh, signing Monaghan to his cheap deal and then being able to turn him around for the exact return you want. Uh, just, uh, I think, A-plus to Ken Hughes for this move. Yeah, I think it's I think it's great. And he still has uh, room to move. There's still opportunity to um, move a veteran defenseman, to move a Jake Allen um to move other parts of his his uh, lineup and and yeah we we want to see him do that absolutely and uh, on that note uh, i think it's a good time to get to our habs prospect report it's time for the rocket report the rocket sports media team is your premier source for information about the laval rocket the ahl affiliate of the montreal canadians as well as habs prospects playing in the chl ncaa and leagues around the world Bookmark THN.com slash Montreal to follow our comprehensive coverage of Canadians prospects. So each week we like to highlight a Montreal Canadiens prospect. And this week we're going to shine the spotlight on uh, ZSC Lions forward, Vincennes Rohrer. Uh, currently uh, over in the NL, he has 15 points in 41 games. That's actually a significant drop to his numbers uh, in the OHL last season. But of course, this is a much more difficult league. Um, his uh, head coach over uh, with the Lions uh, is actually former NHL uh, coach Mark Crawford. Uh, and he's been very complimentary of uh, Vincenzo's play. Uh, this past week, uh, there was an article in The Athletic coming from uh, Arpin Basu who took a deep dive on uh, Vincennes Rohrer. Uh, he talked about his uh, development path and uh, some of the reasons why Rohrer decided to leave the OHL as uh, Ottawa 67s to go play in the uh, NL. Uh, some of those reasons include uh, the lighter schedule, allowing him more time to train and develop a uh, more NHL-ready body. Furthermore, uh, he's got a two-year contract over uh, with the Lions, so Montreal will have plenty of extra time to evaluate this player. And uh, it just so happens that uh, his uh, coach, Mark Crawford's brother, works for the Habs in the pro scouting department. He's actually the director of pro scouting and one Eric Crawford. Uh, so certainly uh, the Montreal Canadiens are keeping an eye on this player. And uh, Mark Crawford has actually been uh, complimented as being one of the few guys in the NHL that uh, doesn't hesitate to play some of the younger players. It can be a very difficult uh, league for prospects to play in. And uh, I think that uh, Vincennes Rohrer is not uh, a very flashy prospect. He might not even be a top 10 prospect on the Habs, but uh, certainly a hard worker, uh, really good attitude uh, and uh, somebody that uh, we like to keep an eye on. Yeah, and I think a good pick for this week to throw the spotlight on. Um, in Zurich, it's it's not a junior league, it's a men's league, so he has much t- tougher competition, uh, and that's good for him. Um, he is, um, I think, when you watch him on the ice, um, and, and Michael, you, you've interviewed him, uh, we, we've had the opportunity to talk to him. He's very cerebral, he's mature beyond his years it's it's that hockey sense it's it's his smarts um that are going to um be very helpful for him as he pursues a career in the nhl and and um it'll it'll help him um pick up the you know the 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 on ice um skills that he needs uh to make that transition 
Yeah, of course. And I think it's worth mentioning, too, that uh, those European ice services are a little bit different. I know sometimes players can have trouble uh, transitioning between the European ice and the North American ice. So perhaps uh, there's a bit of a transition for Vincennes going from playing in uh, the OHL last season and then heading over uh, playing on a bigger ice surface uh, against a tougher t- competition. Uh, a lot of uh, older players there as well. So I think this is going to be interesting for his development and not uh, not a typical development path for this player, but uh, I think this is the right one at the right time for him. And he'll have plenty of time. He'll get plenty of ice under uh, Mark Crawford. So it'll be interesting to see what the Habs decide to do with this player. Yeah, definitely. And uh, also uh, coming out of uh, big news coming out of the NCAA, Boston College goaltender uh, Jacob Fowler was named Hockey East Goaltender of the Week. He's having a remarkable season in the NCAA. Uh, currently, his goals against average is uh, 221 and uh, save percentage of 925. His record 19, 4, and 1. So, uh, certainly uh, uh, one of the, uh, I think, probably Montreal's best goaltending prospect at the moment is uh, Jacob Fowler. And uh, big congrats to him. Well, and and won both games of that uh, Boston College versus Boston University series. He was in that. Um, and uh, Boston University, prior to that uh, two-game series, was the number one team, Boston College number two, Fowler picking up two wins, uh, and as you said, named um, Hockey East Goaltender of the Week uh, because of that performance, but but also, um, now we're into February, he was named uh, Hockey East Goaltender of the Month for the month of January, so um, he is having a terrific season, his freshman season in the NCAA. Uh, some news coming from the AHL. Uh, Gordy Clark will be inducted into the AHL Hall of Fame on Monday. Uh, this is a player that comes all the way from Glasgow, Scotland. So I know that's not uh, super common. So uh, certainly a big congratulations to Gordy Clark there. Uh, he was drafted by the Bruins and uh, ended up having a very nice career playing in the AHL. Um, there's a, a really nice article uh, by Patrick Williams on the AHL site if you want to know more about there. There are four... This is not only the NHL All-Star break, but it's the AHL All-Star break. Um, they're, um, they're having four inductions on uh, Monday uh, into their Hall of Fame. Uh, Gordy Clark, as you said, uh, born in Scotland, but came at the early age of three to New Brunswick um, and had uh, a, a, a successful AHL career since then. Uh, he has gone on to be a scout, uh, the director of uh, player management uh, for the New York Rangers, and has has had uh, positions in a, in a number of different teams. But um, it was it was in New York with the Rangers uh, where he had a connection with Jeff Gordon, um, and uh, that what that he and and uh, Gordon worked on the the rebuild. Remember, they sent out the letter to um, to their fans and said they were going to uh, embark on a four-year rebuild. Uh, they were able to make the playoffs in two years, and, and Gordy Clark, a pro scout and director of their player personnel, was uh, a big part of that. Um, uh, then after his stint in, 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 uh, with the Rangers, he said, that's it, I'm retiring, I'm heading to Florida, tired of, of uh, scouting in the cold rinks, um, tired of the minor leagues, uh, going to Florida um, for golf and pickleball and all those good things. Um, 
And he got a call from Jeff Gorton and uh, now um, uh, with the Montreal Canadiens who said, um, hey, uh, could you come out as a consultant? I, I don't really know my scouting staff. Uh, I trust you. Can you can you go out and, and um, give me an opinion on uh, the Canadian scouts here and how, the job they're doing? Well, Gordy Clark went out and, and did some evaluation of uh, internal evaluation, gave a positive report, said uh, the Canadians had great scouts. And now he's working as a, a scout from time to time. Um, certainly when um, the teams uh, go through Carolina, Florida, um, that uh, that uh, Jeff Gordon wants uh, him to have a look at um, and, and a trusted year. Um, so he's working part-time as a pro scout for the Canadians and uh, just a fascinating individual with a long career in hockey. Um, and uh, it, it's nice to see that connection with the Canadians and then um, going to be into the AHL Hall of Fame on Monday. Absolutely. So like we say, uh, big uh, congratulations to Gordy Clark. So now uh, let's take a look at the Laval Rocket and what they've done since we were here last uh, going all the way back to last Saturday, January the 27th, uh, the Laval Rocket went to visit Rochester and they lose 7-4 to four in a very high-scoring game, 11 goals total. Uh, the Amherst scored four goals in the first period. Uh, ML Heineman for the Laval Rocket did manage to score two of the two goals, uh, but it was not enough as uh, the Amherst seemed to just uh, continue finding the back of the net with ease, uh, scoring seven total on the night. Uh, and then a couple days off uh, before their next game as they come back home uh, to host Utica. Uh, Heinemann pots his third goal uh, in two games, so he's having a pretty good week there. Uh, but uh, the Comets did have a nice uh, pushback in the third period, uh, putting them ahead by one goal and uh, sealing the deal with the 4-3 victory. And it wasn't until uh, five, uh, February the 2nd uh, in which uh, Laval was able to get a win, and uh, they come back with a vengeance winning 6-2 to two at home to the Rochester Americans. Uh, back on top, Justin Barron has a three-point night. Uh, tough night in net uh, for uh, Rochester. Uh, the goaltender was uh, Tokarski. He didn't look very good, and uh, Laval's offense just kept coming on strong for a very convincing win there. Uh, with that, Laval's record is now 19-17-4-2. That's a .524 points percentage, 19th in the AHL. So they've had a pretty good uh, month of January there. I think uh, fell off a little bit uh, towards the end with those two games. But uh, last night uh, they came back and uh, started to look pretty good once again. Well, it was interesting because they were on that that winning streak uh, and then um, last weekend ran into a, a bit of a roadblock. Um, but Friday night, uh, the game I, I was watching, um, and all you have to do is signal, okay, Sean Monahan's gone, um, there's Jake Evans, there's Nick Suzuki, hmm, is there two spots available? Are there two center spots available in Montreal? And you saw Mitchell Stevens scored, Elias Anderson scored, um, <laughs> Heinemann's uh, had a great week, um, so there seems to be, there seemed to be um, some auditions going on um, on Friday night. Uh, and it's, it's funny the way um, those kind of opportunities motivate uh, the players. And, and, and sure, they're looking for um, a call-up. They're looking for a look in Montreal. And, and that really seemed to, to boost the Laval Rocket on Friday night. 
and they'll have a couple more chances to try and impress, uh, potentially one of them getting the call up at some point here. Uh, Laval has uh, two upcoming games within the next week. The next one is tonight, Saturday, February the 3rd, as they host Rochester once again. And then they hit the road on February the 9th to go visit uh, Toronto. So uh, those should be both really good games and uh, rivalry within the division. That's always pretty fun. For sure. Uh, looking one league down in the ECHL, uh, the Trois-Rivières Lions, uh, Montreal's affiliate down there. Uh, they've had like, a bit of an up-and-down season. They were great out of the gate. Uh, then they started to slump a little bit. A uh, bit of a mixed bag this past week. Uh, on January the 27th, uh, they visit Adirondack. They win 2-1. to one. And then on the 28th, as part of a back-to-back, they visit Worcester and they win 4-2. to two, So pretty good start there. But then on Friday, uh, February the 2nd, uh, they uh, host Worcester and lose 6-2. to two. Uh, I guess a bit a uh, winning week for them. That's uh, certainly an improvement there. But uh, that 6-2 to two, uh, loss, uh, they did not look great whatsoever. Uh, so a couple of standouts, uh, Joe Verbetic and Nett uh, had a couple of good games in there. And uh, Yakov Novak uh, stands out as uh, one of the better forwards. Uh, Trois-Rivières record currently 19-21-2-2. That's 10th placed in, in the Eastern Conference. And uh, did you know that we uh, handle the hockey news for the Quebec Maritimes Junior Hockey League? THN.com uh, slash QMJHL. And uh, we like to highlight an article uh, every week. Uh, this week, uh, there's a pretty good article that was put out. And uh, Rick, what could you tell us about it? Well, an inspirational story, I'd say. Um, it was, um, it's the kind of story that um, it goes beyond hockey, certainly. And uh, Jacob Newcomb um, had, had a uh, diagnosis, a cancer diagnosis, uh, took time off and needed to attend to that, uh, rang the bell and, and, uh, with his cancer and re- remission and January 18th was his return to, uh, the Cape Breton Eagles, um, boosted the team, uh, a, a great story. Um, and, and that's the, the story, uh, that will, f- that I'm going to, uh, point to and feature this week on, uh, the THN.com slash, uh, QMJHL site. Um, very worth your time to go and take and, and uh, have a read. Absolutely. So if you're looking to find all of our content about Canadians prospects, head over to THN.com slash Montreal. And if you're looking to find the best English language coverage of the Quebec Maritimes Junior Hockey League, head over to THN.com slash QMJHL. And now it's time to get to our quotes of the week. Uh, both of these quotes relate back to the Sean Monaghan trade the first one comes from Kent Hughes. And Kent, uh, with uh, Sean Monahan now gone, who's going to replace him? Our whole team. I don't think one player replaces Sean Monahan. If we look at the uh, the different ways in which he contributed to our team from face-off to penalty kill to power play to leadership. So uh, there's a lot of things that, that Sean brought to the table and we're going to be looking for for the group as a whole to step up and I think that's part of part of a process of a group maturing and and growing and taking you know I I think I may have mentioned this at one point earlier in immediate availability but it, it's part of a young group starting to take ownership of of their future and and of this team uh, Kent Hughes is right. He had said uh, said similar words, and that came at the beginning of the season when he 
He said what was going to be different about um, this season. He said he would be turning it over, turning the team over to the young core um, and and making sure that they were growing together and taking ownership of the team and that the veterans would be the support aspect, the support players. Um, and and but it would be the young core that was driving the team, driving the direction, taking ownership of the of the dressing room, of the bench, of of uh, the tempo on the ice, um, and and so you know part of uh, the rebuild is is helping move well, um, getting assets back for the players that um, that are moved. But also, um, you know, moving these players out, so giving more responsibility um, and more ownership um, to the to the younger players, and I really like that. Um, and and I know that that uh, folks are are concerned that you need uh, uh, leadership from your your veterans. I don't I don't know. I I think you need um, you know veterans with experience to to help support. Uh, but I really like that Kent Hughes has realized uh, that that this is a process of of increasingly giving um, ownership of the team um, to the the young core, uh, and that's what happens when you move out a, a veteran, an important veteran um, like Sean Monahan. Yeah, and Sean Monahan definitely someone that uh, brings a lot of leadership. And uh, Kevin Dayoff had a chance to touch on what uh, kind of leadership Monahan brings to the table. You know, I, I think Sean's a player that uh, can complement a lot of different players, um, you know, and and, and help, um, you know, th- them grow their game. One of the things that, you know, was really impressive about him uh, when I was talking to the coaches and, you know, the coaches were doing their due diligence and watching, uh, you know, some extra film on him um, was, was how he interacted with the young players. And, you know, you watched him in, in Montreal and how, you know, he, he'd come back to the bench and he'd be talking to Cole Caulfield or he'd be talking to Slavkovsky. And, you know, you just you would see that kind of mentorship that, uh, you know, that that he had, uh, you know, leadership, quiet leadership on the bench. Um, and, and that's that's exactly what you wanted. in pros. It's um, it's fascinating. Um, you know, why would the Jets go out and bring in a player like um, Sean Monaghan? And, and most talk about um, his goals or his success on the, the power play or faceoffs and all of those. Um, all of those things, of course, are, are very important. Um, but the other part of it is it has to be a right the right fit for uh, the team and the personality of, of the team. Um, and it's it's interesting that the Jets noticed um, Monahan's leadership, his quiet leadership. Um, and you heard there him say about the coaches doing their due diligence, uh, which I'm sure they did, and they I'm sure they watched uh, tape. But also, what he didn't say um, was was what happens when the Jets scouts and in in particular the assistant general manager follow the the Montreal Canadiens um from for at their home games and then stop to stop and you, and those are the kinds of things that you don't see on TV those are the kinds of things you can only see from the press box is is Monahan when he goes back to the bench what he's you know who he's talking to um his body language and in this case it it impressed Cheval Day off that he was spending time with the younger players, a, a Caulfield or a Slavkovsky. 
Um, and, and, and that's going to be important for the Jets um, as, as they have younger players on their team as well. And it looks like, uh, at least from the start, Rick Bonus, their head coach, has said that uh, Sean Monahan will center the second line for the Jets um, with Cole Perfetti, young player, um, and Nikolai Ehlers, um, two very um, offensively talented players, and and Sean Monahan will get a, a chance uh, to play with them, and and there may be some changes in that as as time goes on, but. Um, so you want a player for their skills, you want a player for their fit, you want a player for their leadership, and that's why um, they think, the Jets management thinks that Monaghan's going to fit in well with with uh, uh, what they have and where they're going. And uh, looking around uh, the league, there was actually another trade for uh, a two-way center that went down this past week. Perhaps uh, a bit of a bigger name. Uh, the Canucks acquired Elias Inholm, uh, Lindholm from the Calgary Flames in exchange for Andre Kuzmenko, a first-round pick and a conditional fourth-round pick in the 2024 draft, along with defensive prospects uh, Hunter Brustkowitz and uh, Yoni Yermo. Um, Lindholm is was probably the most sought-after center uh, that was going to be made available leading up to the trade deadline here. Uh, more of a two-way guy than Monaghan, uh, but I think Monaghan may be a little bit better offensively than Lindholm. That being send, uh, said, I think Lindholm's going to be a great addition to that Vancouver team. Really bolsters their center ice there. And uh, after this went down, like you said, I, I think that really paved the path for uh, that Monaghan trade to Winnipeg. Uh, what does Calgary get back? Well, of course, they get uh, a lot of futures back and uh, one Andre Kuzmenko, uh, someone that uh, was pretty good last season for uh, the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, he put up a lot of goals this season, not so much. So uh, Calgary could potentially uh, make this, uh, I guess, a redempt, uh, redeemed asset and uh, be able to flip that out, whether that be at the deadline or in the offseason. I don't think that Kuzmenko is someone that uh, the Flames are going to be holding on uh, to for the foreseeable future. Uh, and I think the Flames did a good job capitalizing uh, on this trade, uh, bringing in assets and moving on from someone that uh, was unlikely to re-sign with them. Yeah, I agree 100%. Uh, and I think, I mean, you see a lot of names, and a lot of pieces coming back. Uh, to Calgary, but um, it's it's more quantity over quality. The quality, the the main asset is that first round pick, just as it was with uh, the Canadians trade, and um, yeah, this was the trade that that uh, triggered uh, the accelerated negotiations between Winnipeg and um, and Montreal uh, because there were a number of of teams looking. Uh, for a, a center, um, Vancouver and Winnipeg uh, at the top of the list, but also Colorado. Boston's been talked about. The New York Rangers, although the the the, the chilly atmosphere between the Rangers management and the Canadians management m- means that that was unlikely to happen, and and even Edmonton is said to uh, be looking for uh, forward help. So um, uh, this this was an important trade in that it got things going, and we'll see what. Uh, other moves now start to happen uh, with um, with both Vancouver and Winnipeg getting the players they wanted. Absolutely. A little bit n- more news coming from around the NHL. Uh, the National Hockey League announced uh, the 2025 NHL Four na- Nations face-off. Uh, so that will include Canada, USA, Sweden, and Finland. 
I think we've talked about this uh, a little bit before uh, it was uh, made official. But uh, that's a it's a very small tournament, and I, I think I'm a little bit disappointed that some of the players best are some of the best players in the game, like David Posternak, Leon Dreisaitl, will not be competing in this because their countries are not involved. But uh, nevertheless, uh, looks like uh, next year we will get some international competition. It's been a long time since I think we've had this, and uh, with the NHL involved, right? It is, uh, and I think the focus on the the four primary teams, Canada, Finland, Sweden, and United States, as you, as you said, kind of coyly uh, gets around the Russia question, and, um, and probably that's the reason they did this. Um, with setting this uh, tournament for 2025, um, that means that there will, there will be no NHL All-Star weekend um, during the 2024-25 uh, season. And on top of that, uh, I guess the big news is that NHL players will participate in the 2026 and 2030 Olympic Winter Games. And finally, it's been far too long to think that the last time the NHL participated in the Olympics was when Crosby scored the golden goal. That's kind of crazy, isn't it, uh, to think that uh, how long that's been? Well, and you think of, of um, Olympics and Carey Price um, winning gold. It's going to be interesting to see by that point um, who's going to be the goaltender for Canada? Um, that's uh, that's going to be curious. Uh, twenty twenty six is going to be in Italy, the Winter Games, and twenty thirty not yet selected. Uh, so we'll see how that all pans out. Uh, but this is something that the NHL players, the the PA was was pushing for. Uh, general managers and and owners and, uh, reluctant to to send their uh, players into a situation where they could a uh, high level of competition and potentially be injured. Um, but uh, this, this was a, a priority of, of Marty Walsh, the new PA um, executive uh, and, and, um, and, and they finally got it done. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, in my opinion, if you want to grow the game more internationally, I think uh, the best way is to send your players out to the Olympics, I know it's a difficult thing for uh, some of the owners and uh, there's that risk of injury. But uh, for me, this is something I'm super excited about. Uh, the All-Star Weekend is, well, All-Star Week is underway. And uh, well, so far we've had the skills competition. And the big news there is uh, Connor McDavid wins. Uh, not a big surprise, I don't think. Uh, he won fastest skater, stick handling, shooting accuracy, and ob- obstacle course events. Uh, so Connor McDavid once again proving that he is the most skilled and talented player in the league. This was, um, I thought this was pretty good. Um, I was watching the Laval game live, so I, I tuned in um, to the replay uh, of the skills competition, and I think they got it right for a change. Uh, there was no goofy, gimmicky kind of events with shooting with the the Vegas fountains going or the the golf club none of that it was it was nhl skill and it was reduced to the the nhl's most skilled players the 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 best 12 uh players and then they they kept narrowing it down till they had uh, six finalists um it, it was terrific um pasternak one, one timer yeah that figures fastest skater mcdavid um, Georgiev was uh, the best goaltender. He took home $100,000. Um, and then Connor McDavid uh, was the overall winner, as you said, the, the, the events that um, 
that he uh, was best in, and he took home the $1 million prize, which I think um, really motivated these players. And and rather than um, the, the talk in this was about the players who were excluded and wanted to be in, and, and last-minute replacement was uh, Matt Barzell, uh, really wanted to be there. And we remember previously it was about um, you know, Avechkin doesn't want to go and, and the league find him for not going. And, you know, it was all negative and punishment and all this was, this was exciting. This is, um, this was players wanting to be there, wanting to perform. Yeah. I understand that, um, you know, some, some Canadians fans wanted to see Nick Suzuki in the passing event, but you know, yeah. Um, they picked the players who, who were the most skilled, uh, overall and and uh, featured them. Um, Kale McCarr was second overall to McDavid. Uh, Austin Matthews was third. Great for the hometown um, Leafs crowd. Uh, I thought it was 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 very well done. Um, the only issue is, um, you know, now there's the, there there's going to be no All Star game um, next next season. So hopefully they they remember what went well and uh, build on that. Yeah, absolutely. And with that, I think it's a good time to take our first break on the show. Uh, We'll hear a brand new message from our sponsors, DraftKings, and then we'll get to our Rocket Sports mailbag. Stay with us. This is the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. Looking for a super offer for Super Bowl 58? DraftKings Sportsbook has you covered. New customers can bet on the big game and turn 5 bucks into 200 instantly in bonus bets. Now, whether you want to go all in on the Niners or the Chiefs, or maybe you're going to make a parlay that kind of splits the difference between the two, you want to download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code THPN. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get 200 instantly in bonus bets only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 58, with code THPN. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash football for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. I'm Michael Spinella. You can find me on Twitter at the Spinella. With me in the studio is our president and founder of Rocket Sports, Rick Stevens. Make sure to give him a follow on Twitter at Rocket Sports. You can also follow this podcast on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Habs Connection and check out our website, CanadiansConnection.fm. And just a little reminder here to make sure that you are subscribed to the Canadians Connection podcast in the player or on your favorite podcast episode. That way you never miss a single one of our episodes. 
And uh, as we were talking about the All-Star break, well, uh, the All-Star break provides uh, a little bit of an opportunity for us to evaluate the Canadians and uh, recognize uh, their best performances so far this season. And uh, with that, uh, the Hockey News published an article on Friday titled uh, Montreal Canadiens Midseason Awards, and it was written by our very own uh, Rick Stevens. And I'll ha- have an opportunity here to take a look through and see if there's anything that I agree or disagree with. I'll highlight just a few of those. And uh, Rick, uh, are you ready for me to tell you what's what? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> you're you're going to correct me on all the things I got wrong. Uh, this was an interesting um, exercise for the Hockey News. The Hockey News asked each of the site editors uh, for the individual teams to put together uh, mid-season awards. Um, and uh, interesting exercise in that, uh, obviously, uh, the Montreal Canadiens players aren't in the conversation for the NHL uh, overall awards. Um, you know, we're looking at a team that's that's going to finish, as you said uh, earlier, with uh, likely 79 points or in that range um, but it was looking at who have who have performed best uh, in all the categories that you usually uh, think of um, NHL awards, end of season awards, um, and trying to think about uh, you know where they performed over the the first uh, forty nine games or so. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, honestly, looking through this is a great article. I recommend uh, that uh, everyone who hasn't checked it out yet take a look through and uh, see what you agree with and don't agree with. But uh, I think I agree more than I disagree. And it seems that one Sean Monahan is taking the king's ransom of trophies home. He seems to be uh, winning the most awards. Uh, two of those awards that I very much agree with him winning are the Hart Trophy and the Bill Masterton Memorial. Um makes sense that uh, Monaghan would win that Hart Trophy. I know stats-wise, he's not necessarily on top, but he was just so consistent, and he drives a lot of those plays. I think he made a lot of the players around him look much better than they necessarily are. So uh, I certainly agree with him uh, taking home the Hart. As for uh, the Bill Masterton Memorial, uh, we all know that Monaghan has had some injury problems over uh, the last few seasons. He missed a large chunk of last season with uh, a season-ending injury as well. But uh, upon return, uh, he's come back and it's looked like he's missed absolutely no steps. So certainly proving his dedication to uh, the game. I agree with both of those, but uh, are you ready for the one thing I don't necessarily agree with? I'm absolutely ready. Hit me. Yep, go ahead. Yeah, so obviously there are certain awards like the Rocket Richard that are statistics. You can't argue those. Those are set in stone. But the Norris Trophy winner, and I'm actually surprised you went uh, with this pick, and uh, Mike Matheson. I don't mind it per se, um, but looking at uh, Montreal's uh, D, I don't know that uh, I feel the same that Mike Matheson has been the best defenseman on this team. I'm actually leaning more towards either Caden Gooley or nobody necessarily winning this award. Um, You look at uh, the D that they have, I think that the D has been fine, but a lot of mid-D, a lot of guys that fit in NHL rosters, but not anything spectacular, if I'm being honest. Uh, My leaning towards Gooley, I think that he's not necessarily stood out, but he's been good enough within his own zone, and I think... uh, He's been relatively consistent uh, over this season uh, in terms of his in-zone play. He's still developing, and uh, 
uh, looking like one of the better defense for sure. But uh, that's uh, edging out Mike Matheson by just a little. I gu- I'm guessing you chose Mike Matheson based off of some offensive numbers. Well, typically, um, when you look at the Norris, that's kind of how that award has been, um, oh, you know, uh, presented in the past is is based on on offense. And there's been some argument that there should be a defensive defenseman um, award in the past. Um, you know, I really like um, what Gooley has done, and um, I think that. Uh, he's on track, certainly, to be the Canadians' best defenseman. He's had um, the way uh, he's been handled, put on the right side. I, I think that's that's hurt him a little bit. His his unnatural side. Um, I want to see him get back on the left as soon as possible. Um, with the Norris Trophy, it, it, reading the article, you can tell that I kind of held my nose and picked um, Mike Matheson, um, certainly for his his uh, points his power play points his his uh, ice time he's right up there um, but his his defensive play his his turnovers have been awful um, and so yeah this was I, I fully understand and and uh, see where you can make the argument for Gooley. Uh this was a, a difficult one for me to to choose yeah, I think that's fair as well. Uh, reasonable enough uh, to rationalize that. Um, hopefully not too off topic, but I do feel like, you know, at, at some point the NHL could have uh, a most offensive defenseman and best defensive defenseman award, split that up a little bit. But uh, I don't mind the pick of Matheson. Like I said, I feel like there's not been anything spectacular and it's just my preference of Gooley uh, being the best defenseman on this team that uh, really kind of edged that out in my perspective at least. And speaking of defensive defensemen, how about defensive offensive players? And we know there's a separate award for that. That's a Selkie. And I think here's uh, another award that was difficult for me to uh, choose. And and I want to hear um, our our listeners, I want to hear their opinion. Reach out to us, 5853ROCKET. Um, for the Selkie winner in this uh Exercise. I picked Suzuki mainly because um, I think he's improved his defensive game a lot. Um, I think that um, you know it, he's he's got a tough role. He plays against the opposition's best players, um, but it's 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 he doesn't have glowing stats there either. Um, and and there could be an argument for uh, Sean Monahan uh, and the work that he does on the penalty kill, and and he he may have been for the first. Uh, 49 games, the Canadians' best defensive player. Um, that that was really a toss-up for me, and and partly I think because uh, Sean Monahan, as you said, was was cleaning up on all the awards. Um, <laughs> I uh, I spread it around a little, but um, let's hear from our listeners. Actually, let's hear from them on all the awards, uh, but particularly um, the Norris and the Selkie. So now I, th- I think it's a good time that uh, while we're talking about uh, our listeners that we uh, reach into that Rocket Sports mailbag. Uh, always uh, nice to hear uh, from our listeners and their thoughts on our podcast here. Um, the mailbag was just kind of jam-packed with questions and a lot of comments. Uh, most of those centering Arbor Jacki, uh, the trade deadline, Patrick Waugh, and of course the next uh, Canadian Stanley Cup. So uh, with that, Rick, uh, are you ready uh, to take a reach in and uh, see what all of our listeners had to say to us? Let's do it. 
So first one coming from uh, Kingston, Ontario. Connor uh, reaches out to us. Uh, Connor says, uh, great show, guys. I really liked your comments, Rick, on how Patrick Waugh seemed humble in his press conference. Uh, if he has changed as a coach slash person, the big question is, can he be a successful coach in Montreal? Oh. So, of course, uh, Patrick Waugh, the brand new head coach, for the New York Islanders, and uh, he uh, recently came to Montreal uh, and uh, was behind the bench for the Islanders, faced off against the Canadians in a losing effort. But the question is, uh, could Patrick Waugh be uh, a successful coach in Montreal? I'll start this one off, and I'll send it over to you right after uh, there, Rick. But uh, I think this this is pretty interesting. Uh, I think he is going to be a successful coach in most places he goes to. I think he's really changed in the past few years. But in Montreal, what worries me is the Montreal media. Um, I know that Patrick Waugh, uh, since his time in Colorado, has has learned uh, that, uh, you know, he should be more of a coach and less of a manager. That was something that he talked about in one of his media availabilities. Uh, he's uh, coached uh, many teams uh, with a high degree of success. He's coached uh, on teams that he used to play for, like Colorado. Yeah, he's coached for his hometown, uh, Quebec uh, Remparts, uh, in the QMJHL. He's won a Memorial Cup with them. Now he's working for Lou Lamorello, so he's certainly someone that uh, I think has faced a lot of pressure and uh, faced uh, being in the public eye quite a bit. I don't think that there are many things that Patrick Waugh cannot do, but I think, this, in my opinion, this might be more about how the Montreal media would handle the situation of having him as a coach in Montreal. I'm just not sure how that would go. And I feel like the media might get in the way of uh, Patrick Waugh's success in Montreal. I think that's fair. And um, interesting in Connor's question that he said, the big question is, and it, and it is a big question. Um, I, I think not only the media, uh, but just the atmosphere, the expectations uh, in Montreal um, may change uh, the way that Patrick Waugh approaches um, and and that, that the Islanders' situation is different. How How is it different? Well, listen, Pat, we've said it before. We said it last week. Patrick Waugh is a big personality. Uh, we saw that when he was the coach of the Colorado Avalanche. Um, he was he he was a powder keg, I guess, is is the best way to phrase that. Um, and, uh, you know, he expressed it off. He's a passionate guy. He's a passionate coach. He's passionate about hockey. What I liked him, um, when he, when he uh, had his media availability, um, was that he was, he was calm. He talked about how much he's going to learn, um, that he wants to be a better hockey man. He wants to be a better hockey coach. Um, and so, yeah, of course there was, there was the, uh, stop with the ramparts with a cue um, in between. Uh, and so that's perhaps mellowed him somewhat or, or uh, had him learn. But I think the environment with the Islanders, with Lou Lamorello, he mentioned Jacques Lemaire as well as, as uh, looking forward to them being mentors. Um, the influence is, I mean, we, we saw it in his look. He shaved his beard. Uh, he was clean shaven. <laughs> We haven't seen that Patrick Waugh for a while. That's Lamorello's influence, um, and and is also is going to um, you know bring that hum humility out of Patrick Waugh. And yes, I would be afraid that the 
um, the pressure, the expectations, the media, all of that would fuel the negative parts of of Patrick Waugh. And I mean, uh, you know, there are a segment of Montreal Canadiens fans that want a coach that's going to come in and kick ass and 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 be explosive. Uh, a Pat Burns kind of coach, I, I think that only works. Um, I don't even know if it works in today's NHL, but if it does, it only works for a very um, brief period. Um, so I I don't I, I don't know the answer to this. Can he be successful in Montreal? Um, not if the media, I mean, look at, look at what's happened with, um, the expectations, the, the overzealous praise of, of a Montembeau or, um, you know, the, the way the media influences the way the coaches react. I don't know if, if, uh, Patrick Waugh could resist, um, the, the temptations to his dark side. And, and, and I mean, that, that's said in fun, but, um, I, I don't know if I can answer this question. I think it would be very difficult for him to be a head coach in Montreal. Yeah, I think that's very fair. Uh, next question comes in from uh, Elias in Shawinigan, Quebec. Uh, Elias says, wait, five years for a cup? WTF. I say it will be two years max. Habs have the best prospects and the most draft picks in the league. They have found their number one in Monty. And MSL is a genius, best in the NHL. Uh, Rick, I'll uh, let you start off with your rebuttal. Um, uh, Shawinigan's passing out the Kool Aid. Um, I, listen, I, 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 fans who are excited about this team, excited about this the direction of the team, excited about the personnel and the prospects and the coach and and everybody, um, um, the more the better. Uh, but there has to be. Um, some realistic um, expectations. Um, we've talked about it. Do the Canadians have have good prospects? They certainly do. They're, you know, uh, we've seen various um, uh, publications rank them, whether it's sixth best or eighth best or tenth best. Do they have the best prospects? Well, there's there's no real elite prospects on the way. Um, so I, no, I, I don't think so. Uh, they've got plenty of draft picks uh, to be able to put together for Kent Hughes to use. Uh, that's that's absolutely true. Uh, number one goaltender Montembeau, no, and that's not even close. Um, he is he is he will be in the net until that that player arrives, that goaltender arrives. Um, and Marty is uh, Marty is Marty. That he has some. Uh, great qualities as far as inspiring young players and and even protecting them somewhat. Um, his little his X's and O's and um, have have um, you know he's he's not able to strategize pre scout do those kinds of normal coaching things. Um, and and I think that um, you know he he is good for this team. Will he be good for a contender? Um, I, I don't know about that. He certainly hasn't been able to fix the power play. He certainly hasn't been able to fix the penalty kill. There are players that he hasn't been able to reach a Josh Anderson, for example, and, and extract, uh, his full potential out of. So, um, I, I, I think this is, this is great. Um, but it's going to be, it's not going to happen in two years. And, and the, the number one reason is the Canadians do not have the goaltending, 
uh, to be a contender, uh, among other pieces, and they don't have scoring. But the number one reason is they don't have a goaltender to take them anywhere right now. Yep, I agree with that. Um, uh, at the end of the season, that will be three missed playoffs uh, in a row. Um, I think they just need time to develop prospects, too. And although they have a lot of intriguing prospects, like you said, uh, I think they could be top 10 in terms of prospects in the NHL. Um, but there's no guarantee that all of these guys are going to turn out. Um, and they also need time to be able to turn out. Uh, you don't want to rush these guys into situations where they can't succeed. Having a lot of uh, draft picks is great. Uh, also, it's not something that I think necessarily moves the needle at all because, again, uh, you need time for these draft picks to turn out. Uh, you need proper scouting. Uh, you, you're At some point, you need that firepower within your prospect pool. Um, even if Kent Hughes uh, flips out these draft picks for players, uh, again, there's, there's a lot of different things you have to consider here, the fit and uh, whatnot. The last uh, few players that uh, Kent Hughes has targeted uh, with the, some high draft picks and Kirby Doc and Alex Newhook. These are guys that have been struggling to stay in the lineup due to injuries, although I think when healthy, they've looked good. Um, injuries have gotten in the way, so lots of things can't prevent that. Um, is Monty a starter? I, I think you said it best. No, he's not currently a starter. I think that uh, there have been some stats in the uh, previous season that flattered him. Uh, not so much this year. His uh, goals against average at this point uh, right is over three. Um, he's well into the late 20s in terms of save percentage. And uh, I will go out and point out once again that uh, especially at the beginning of the year, the bulk of Montembeau's starts that came against the non-playoff teams. So I, I don't think that uh, Montembeau really is a starter on any other NHL team in the league. And like you said, is, is Marty St. Louis a genius? Who knows? Probably not, to be completely honest. Like you said, he has a lot of good qualities. But at the same time, I think uh, the X's and O's and some of the systems uh, are starting to hurt this team a little bit especially uh defensively uh you're starting to see guys regress a little bit uh, i think that uh, king Gooley would benefit from uh, having a more clear defensive system uh, i think that uh, Gooley would excel a lot more but at the same time i think uh, marty st louis has been good for players like a caulfield like a slavkovsky that might be what you need now but uh, down the road when you want to be competitive uh, probably uh, not the right guy. So best in the NHL, uh, not right now, if I can be completely honest. But uh, I personally would like to preach patience. But uh, I know that there are a lot of fans out there that are pretty passionate. And uh, if uh, you're excited for this team to compete within the next two years, and uh, hey, that's absolutely something you have every right to do. Uh, just don't be disappointed when they don't get there. <laughs> That's all. Yeah, I'll yeah. Say. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Uh, next question comes from uh, Roy in Port Elgin, Ontario. Uh, Roy says, uh, "You talked about trade bait on the show. Uh, if Savard is a good teacher for the young D and a good veteran for the playoffs, uh, then why trade him? Keep him for when the Habs are contenders." I like this. It definitely shows that uh, Roy was uh, listening into what we said. Um, but I think the reason why it's important that you move on from Savard, whether it be at this trade deadline, that's what I'm hoping the most, or in the offseason, I think his value is as high as it's going to be as a Montreal Canadian. Yes, uh, I think it's a fair comment uh, that uh, he's been a good, a good teacher for some of the young D, a good role model. 
But uh, at the same time, the Montreal Canadiens, uh, this is going to be asset management. Uh, you need to move on from uh, Savard uh, before the end of the season if you can and bring back whatever asset uh, that you can. And by the time Montreal is um, at a point where they're competing in the playoffs, I think Savard's age is going to catch up to him and he's not going to be the same player that he once was. So I think that's uh, that's kind of where we are at. And uh, furthermore, uh, if we want to talk about uh, Mike Matheson as the other veteran D on this team, another guy that you could potentially move uh, before the trade deadline or in the offseason. Again, uh, Matheson is doing things this season that I don't think he'll ever be able to replicate, and it's above what he's done in the past. So it's it's just good asset management, and you need to clear way for some of these younger younger D in order to succeed. Yeah, I think that's that's absolutely right. Um, David Savard is 33 years old right now. What is he going to look like in, in four or five years? And, and he's, um, beyond his, his prime. Um, you know, when you think about, uh, he, he playing in the 2020, 2021 season, uh, for the Columbus Blue Jackets, he played 40 games for them. And then the Tampa Bay uh, Lightning came knocking, uh, looking to win a cup, looking to bolster, uh, the bottom of of their defensive um, lineup. They brought him in for 14 games at the end of the season. He played 20 games in the playoffs um, against uh, in the final against the Canadians, um, and and that's what you do. Uh, that's what he's that's what he's effective at. Uh, then the Canadians have have uh, this is his third year with the Canadians, and and certainly he has a good rapport with um, the the defenseman, the young defenseman. Um, but, um, it, it doesn't for veterans, um, look at what Savard did. He came in at the end of the season and he fit right into Tampa Bay. If you think back to the Canadians, when they were on their cup run at the end of this, uh, um, in, in one season, they, they brought in, uh, Corey Perry and Eric Stahl along with, uh, Carey Price and, and, uh, Shea Weber, who were the, the leaders of that team, but those players, Perry and Stahl, um, they didn't need to be with the team for years and years and years to fit in. Um, they integrated into that team right away. They adapted quickly to a specific role um, and 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 sh- brought their leadership uh, for that short run. Those players are easy to add. As we said, I think I said last week, um, add those players, add a, a, a Savard or whoever that player is, uh, that you're going to need uh, for depth and for leadership. They're easy to pick up. And the Canadians, rather than um, selling off these players, they'll be buyers when they're contenders. Uh, those players are easy to add. There's no need uh, to keep him, keep, keep uh, Savard on the roster now, move him, um, and and get an asset back. Um, I think that Kent Hughes, Kent Hughes was asked about David Savard uh, in his press conference this week, and he said, I have no plans at the moment to trade uh, David Savard, something to that effect, which means mm. um, nobody's called about him yet, but if they do, uh, I guess I'm in kind of kind of thing. Um, but yes, you, you have to, if you have to move on from these players, uh, veterans don't need uh, a long lead time to, to, to fit into a contending uh, lineup. Yeah, I think that's a great point. Uh, another question comes in. Uh, this time it's uh, Kurt from Sackville, New Brunswick. Uh, so although out on the East Coast, how's it going, Kurt? 
Uh, Kurt asks us, uh, what did the sheriff do to Marty? Uh, why does MSL defend Gallagher but trash Jacki? And Rick, I'll defer to you to start this off. Well, um, there's two questions here. We're going to take both of them uh, together because they both uh, concern uh, an Arbor Jacki. So in addition to Kurt uh, from Sackville, um, there's Teta from uh, Montreal. Uh, and I'll read uh, her comment and question. Uh, someone is making Jacki feel like he's not good enough. Let him play. We've seen this before. The coach is breaking his spirit. That is Jacki. If management has a beef with Arbor, then let him go elsewhere. What? And it sounds like she wants um, uh, Arbor Jacki to stay. But what could they get in a trade for Arbor Jacki? So uh, we'll take these two together. Um, I think that um, what did um, what did Arbor Jacki do to Marty St. Louis? I think he took some bad penalties. I think. <laughs> uh, I think. Um, I think that. That uh, and and that wasn't just this season. That that uh, that was last season as well. Um, but listen, um, Arbor Jacki is still an important part. I, I don't think that sending him to Laval um, was uh, should have been a surprise. Listen, Arbor Jacki wasn't drafted. Made that jump directly from junior to the NHL, and probably um, that wouldn't have happened uh, on a team on a playoff bound team. Um, he was able to carve himself out uh, a regular spot in the lineup because the Canadians weren't very good. Um, and and there were still aspects of his game, playing defensively, his gap, using his stick effectively, understanding the play that, that he needed to work on. Um, so he was sent to um, Laval after recovering from his injury um, and uh, that, that hit that he took against Vegas. And... Uh, again, uh, Barbashev that that uh, took him in awkwardly, um, but was he sent just to Laval to rehab after his injury? No, of course not. Um, he was sent to Laval to work on specific things. The Canadians took that opportunity, and especially with Jaden Struble playing so well. Um, so Arbor Jacki is going to have some. Um, and when he went to to Laval, he wasn't very good. He didn't want to be there. He was surprised. He didn't react well. And I think coming up to the NHL, he hasn't looked good. He hasn't looked like himself. He hasn't appeared very confident. He got scratched for a game. Um, I think all of that's okay. Uh, I don't think they're punishing him. I don't think that they hate him. I don't think that they're trying to move him. I think that they they like him very much. In fact, um, there was news that because he was sent to Laval that Elliot Friedman reported that Philadelphia had reached out um, and was told flatly that Jacki is not available, not interested in talking about a trade. So, what could they get in a trade from? I'm not. We're not going to entertain that because um, uh, Arbor Jacki is is an important part. He's a unique piece uh, for this team. Uh, he may not be the sixth defenseman. Maybe he in the future is a seventh defenseman, or um, or however he fits into the lineup. But um, I don't think. I don't think that the Canadians have soured on Arbor Jacki. Yeah, I think that's fair too. Um, as to why Marty, I guess, called out Jacki in the media, I don't think it was necessarily a call out per se. I think that uh, Marty simply was answering the question he was asked. He was asked about the penalties. He said he didn't like it. 
uh, Jacka is still a young player, and perhaps you know this is a little signal to him that you know what you got to get your stuff together. Um, why did Marty defend Gallagher? I don't think it was necessarily that Marty ever defended Gallagher per se either. It's more that you know what Jack guy is a young player. He's still learning. He's still developing. And Gallagher, I think at this point, he is what he is. And I'm hoping that that was dealt with uh, behind the scenes. Um, so I don't know that Marty's necessarily going out of his way to trash uh, Gallagher or sorry, uh, Jack guy through the media. I think that uh, Marty sometimes his emotions get the best of him, and uh, maybe. That, uh, that, you know what, I think it was true that uh, Jack I took some bad penalties along the way. And this has been going on for a while. Uh, sending Jack I to Laval, uh, I think that's simply what's best for his development. And I think that maybe it was an undeserved call up to bring him back to the NHL. And like you said, he's not looked great. Um, he was a scratch for a game. Um, I think that if uh, the team wants to do uh, what's best for Jack, I think you have to commit to leaving him in one place I, I just don't think that this up and down and him trying to adjust his game is what's going to work uh for his uh, development so if you want to commit to having jack eye and lavelle i think that's great you do that you let him play in lavelle develop his game otherwise if you want to have him uh, in the nhl then yeah, it is what it is. He's going to be the player that we've seen. He can have an impact uh, on some nights, but uh, he's not uh, looked great uh, in the NHL uh, those last couple of games. Yeah, and let's wait on it. Let's let's wait a couple of weeks. And it took him uh, a time to adjust to being in the AHL, and then he played extremely well. He and Logan Mayu looked terrific uh, and helped uh, turn around uh, Laval's fortunes. Uh, so let's see how, uh, because right now it's just his confidence. He doesn't look like he feels like he should be um, in in Montreal. And let him adjust. And, and uh, after a couple of weeks, if he's still uh, that way, then, then we can criticize him. The only other thing I'll add to your comments is um, let's not put Jackai in and Gallagher in the same basket. Gallagher has earned... Uh, a longer leash. Gallagher has earned uh, over his long tenure. Um, his his um, you know the the what he's given to the organization. Um, he has he has earned uh, the fact that um, he might get uh, get away with a few more things than an Arbor Jacka, and that's entirely normal. I wouldn't I wouldn't blame Marty Saint Louis for the way he's treating them differentially at all. Yeah, absolutely. And one final question is here in our mailbag, and uh, we'll pull this one out. It's from Mason in Abbotsford, BC. So going all the way out to the West Coast. Of course, uh, we have uh, viewers and listeners from all across the globe. Uh, Mason asks us, with Monaghan out of the way, now Kent can clear the logjam of young defensemen. He's got to move a couple of them at the deadline with Hudson and Mayu and Rhinebacker arriving soon. Of Harris, Barron, and Jack Eye, which one would you trade? For me, it's Barron. And this is an interesting question uh, coming from Mason. I think that uh, th there's been a lot of criticism this season of some of these three uh, young defensemen. Uh, particularly, it seems like both uh, Harris and Barron have become whipping boys to an extent. I don't know if that's been deserved. Right now, Barron is uh, in the AHL and he's starting to look pretty good. I think Harris has had a nice turnaround to this season. Um, 
when put in uh, the right position, he's looked uh, pretty stellar as well. And we all know who Arbor Jackai is at this point. I know Mason said that uh, they would uh, prefer to move on from Baron, but uh, actually out of the three, if you're going to make me choose which one I would trade, it actually might be Jackai. I do think that uh, Baron and Harris just have higher ceilings in Arbor Jackai at this point. And they have uh, different roles uh, on this team. I think that Barron uh, is a good puck mover. I think offensively he can bring it a lot more than Jack I can. And Harris is just someone that uh, can come in and be pretty stable in the back end. Whereas uh, Jack I, uh, right now, I think that there is a very specific role he can fill in. But uh, he's more of a project in my mind. What do you think about this one, Rick? Well, um, I, I would just, in general, uh, uh, just respond, what's the rush? Um, yeah. You know, Hudson, <laughs> Mayu, and Reinbacker are, um, they are great prospects, uh, but, but who knows how they're going to adapt to the pro game, whether that's in Laval or whether that's in Montreal, and, and why um, act preemptively? Why act before you have to? Um, I think um, Harris is really underappreciated, um, in his role as a third-pairing defenseman, especially with Jaden Struble, he's been terrific um, and and is one of the better defensive defensemen with the ability to move the puck as well. He's super smart um, and, and I think absolutely underrated, particularly by the fans and media. Um, Barron, um, you know, a lot is expected of him, and he was tossed out. I, I like him on a pairing with... Uh, Caden Gooley, but uh, they were, you know, tossed into a first pairing role, and I think that's a little much uh, at this point. Um, Barron has has uh, a pretty high ceiling, as you mentioned. Agree, a hundred percent. Had a three point game in in Laval on Friday night. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not, and Jack High is is the unicorn. Um, I'm I'm not trading any any of these. If I if I need to trade a player, I'm trading to make room. Um, and I say, what's the rush? If I'm trading a player, it's David Savard. It's Mike Matheson. <laughs> it's Jonathan Kovacevic. Uh, there's a lot of, there's those players can be traded and free up room. If you're worried about uh, making space for uh, the defensemen who are arriving. Yeah. I, I agree with all the things you just said. If you're, you know, forcing me to pick one of the three, uh, I, I told you who I would pick, but of course, like you said, uh, there's really no rush on any of these defensemen. And, uh, what you know, Hudson's going to come and play in the Montreal organization probably at, towards the end of this season. Um, I'm sure he'll get some NHL games, but there's no guarantee he'll be immediately a full-time NHLer. You know, Mayu's been successful in the AHL. You don't need to rush him there. Uh, Reinbacker, I think he's going to be a little ways off and probably not going straight to the NHL either. So, uh, like you said, I think uh, preaching patience here and uh, not a bad thing to have an abundance of young defensemen that look pretty good at the moment. Absolutely. So with that, uh, since you asked us a bunch of questions, well, we have a question for all of our listeners. Our Canadians Connection question of the week is, now that Monaghan has been traded, which veteran defenseman should be moved first, Savard or Matheson? We want to hear from you, and we'll give you some time to think about it as we move into our final break on the show. Uh, make sure that you stay with us. This is the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. The Canadians Connection is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. Their mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, entertained, and connected. 
Learn more about RSM, its team, and its portfolio of brands at rocketsportsmedia.com. I bet you enjoy sporting your best Habs jerseys, dressing up your kids and pets in the cutest Habs gear, and showing off your decked out hockey cave or fanning. Well, don't just show your friends, show your Habs. The Rocket Sports Media team wants you to boast your finest pictures for our global network of Montreal Canadiens fans. Include the hashtag ShowYourHabs when posting your fan photos on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Then log on to ShowYourHabs.com to see your entries, along with photos and posts from Habs fans all over the world. A proud member of the Rocket Sports Media Network. If you're a business owner looking for the perfect platform to reach a targeted audience of customers, Rocket Sports Media is the solution. Our global hockey community provides unmatched social media reach to an attentive demographic of sports and entertainment fans. We can provide visibility to your company, helping you to engage and leverage this prime group of potential clientele. In addition, we also offer sponsorship opportunities for fan events and featured areas of website content, giving you name and logo recognition. Visit rocketsportsmedia.com to contact us regarding this unique marketing opportunity. For the most trusted source of news, analysis, and features about the Montreal Canadiens, log in to thn.com slash Montreal. Your year-round source for anything Habs-related. That's THN.com slash Montreal. Welcome back to episode 281 of the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. You can follow at Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and you can check out our website, CanadiansConnection.fm. Also, feel free to text us anytime via the Rocket Sports text line, 5853ROCKET. That's 5853ROCKET. And I love hearing from all of our listeners. We got to pull out the Rocket Sports mailbag in that last segment, and that was a ton of fun to get through. But we do have some more comments coming in from our listeners and a very special question to ask all of them as well to think about. Uh, Rick, uh, it uh, seems like a lot of people uh, have some mixed feelings about uh, the state of the Montreal Canadiens at the moment. Yeah, I think that uh, the honeymoon is over. Um, I think that we're seeing... Uh, criticisms towards um, Marty St. Louis. We're seeing criticisms towards uh, players that we've never seen um, players be critical of, like a Gallagher. Um, we're seeing uh, lots of criticism towards, um, you know, a Bob Rov, uh, that sort of thing. So it's it's fascinating. Um, but, but yeah, th- there's always uh, huge optimism when a new group comes in and takes over. Uh, you're ready to put the the past aside and and give uh, the new regime every opportunity to succeed. And I think it's tough. It's tough when the Canadians lose a lot. It's tough when they're at uh, they're riding at the bottom of the standings, even with the hope of of um, you know uh, good draft picks in the future. Um, they're getting a little impatient, and and that's that's uh, when the the passion and and some of the negativity and the impatience come out. Absolutely. And uh, I think uh, I'm not alone in saying that uh, it's going to be an interesting uh, race to the end of the season for the Montreal Canadiens. And uh, 
Well, here's where you can find everything you need to know from Rocket Sports. Uh, we cover the Montreal Canadiens for the Hockey News, and you can find all that content in one place. Just head over to THN.com slash Montreal. That's the Hockey News Montreal, and you can find all of our great feature articles, game day posts, and we do a lot of coverage on prospects, uh, especially Laval Rocket. So you'll want to check all of that out. And if you're interested in some more multimedia content, uh, you're going to want to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Just search at All Habs. You'll be able to pull that up. Hit subscribe as we put out a number of different shows throughout the week. Uh, Amy Johnson hosts the Habs uh, Hockey Report show. The latest episode entitled, Should the Montreal Canadiens Trade or Keep This Defenseman? And Is Jack Eye in Trouble? Plus, she hosts, hosts the Rocket Hockey Report. Uh, the latest episode entitled, There's plenty at stake for the Laval Rocket this week. Uh, leave a like, leave a comment, tune into both of those. Those are great sources to keep you up to date with everything Montreal Canadiens and Laval Rocket. Plus, we started putting this show on uh, YouTube, our Canadians Connection podcast. Uh, last week's episode entitled uh, To Win a Stanley Cup by 2029. The Habs need this. Do they have it? Uh, make sure that uh, you tune into that and uh, make sure you leave a like and a comment. Hit subscribe so that you don't miss any of our shows on YouTube. And we have a reason for you to also hit that notification bell because we started doing live stream watch-alongs on YouTube for different uh, Montreal Canadiens games. The next one that's coming up is going to be Montreal versus Washington Tuesday, February the 6th. That's going to be hosted by myself, Michael, along with my Rocket Sports Media colleague, Nathan. Uh, there'll be a live chat so you can leave your comments and questions, get involved in the conversation there. Uh, plus, uh, we'll have live commentary. We'll have all sorts of Montreal Canadiens discussions to get through. Make sure that you hit subscribe on our YouTube channel. Hit that notification bell. That way you know whenever something new is coming out. That's the next game. That's the next game that you'll find the Montreal Canadiens on ice is Tuesday, that game against uh, in Washington against the Capitals. And um, how does it work? Uh, it's easy. What is a live stream, a, a, a watch-along? Um, you put the game on TV, you turn the sound down, you you fire up your YouTube channel, and um, and there you'll find Michael and Nathan and um, a plethora of, of Canadians fans from all over the world interacting, chatting, asking questions. There's information. Um, there's reaction. There's It's just a, a ton of fun. Uh, so come out to our, um, our YouTube channel to find the YouTube channel. Um, it's youtube.com slash allhabs. Absolutely. And we have a ton of fun doing those. We continue to do those a few times per month uh, throughout the remainder of the season. And while you're uh, subscribing to everything, uh, make sure that you're subscribed to the premier Rocket Sports Radio podcast on your favorite podcast app, The Canadians Connection. Uh, we also have a website you can check out with every single episode, canadiansconnection.fm. So if you like what you're hearing today, hit subscribe. We're here every single Saturday and uh, we want to give you the best Montreal Canadiens content we are your inside lo inside link to the Montreal Canadiens. And with that, I believe we have a Rocket Sports uh, team announcement. Uh, there might be some interest in uh, some potential new contributors. Well, listen, if you're out there and, and you hear about the kinds of things we're doing, the kinds of things we're doing on YouTube, on our podcast, with the Hockey News, the partnership with the Hockey News, the partnership with um, Hockey Podcast Network, and you say, how, how do how do I get involved? Um, Michael, Michael did the same thing. Nathan did the same thing. He approached us and said, um, you know, I want to get involved. How do I get involved? And um, it's 
it, it's a great team that we have, um, and and we we talk hockey every day. We get along well, uh, and there's opportunities to write about the Montreal Canadiens to be involved in the podcast in the YouTube channel, um, in in on social media in many different ways. Uh, if you're passionate about the Montreal Canadiens, if you have talent, if you can be objective. Um, we're, we're wanting to hear from you. So reach out to us. Um, we, you know that uh, we have a, an email address, hello at rocketsportsmedia.com. Uh, send us a text at 5853-ROCKET and just say, listen, I'm interested in getting involved in being a contributor for the Hockey News Montreal, or uh, we're also looking for uh, talent who like junior hockey, uh, particularly the QMJHL. We have a uh, QMJHL site, uh, thn.com slash QMJHL. Um, we operate that for the hockey news. Um, so if you're a fan of junior hockey, you're a fan of the Montreal Canadiens, if you're a fan of hockey in general, reach out to us and we'll help you get involved. Absolutely. And looking forward to hearing from everyone. So don't hesitate to reach out if this is something that interests you. Now it's time to get to our Canadians Connection question of the week. And to all of our listeners, we ask, now that Monaghan has been traded, which veteran defenseman should be moved first, Savard or Matheson? We want to hear from you. The Rocket Sports sex line is 5853-ROCKET. And uh, Rick, I'll just get you to repeat that email once again because I know sometimes people have a little bit more to say. For sure. You can reach out to us uh, by e- via email. Um, and the email address is hello at rocketsportsmedia.com. Absolutely. So looking forward to hearing from everyone. And throughout the week, we get lots of uh, text, tweets, comments. Uh, And uh, this week, uh, we're going to highlight a couple of comments from our YouTube channel. Uh, We lightly edit these just for a little bit of clarity. But uh, this first one comes from G-L-A-K-A-N-F-T-W on YouTube. And in response to last week's episode uh, entitled uh, To Win a Stanley Cup by 2029, the Habs need this. Do they have it? Uh, What they had to say is 2029, LOL, management has already uh, trying to fast track a rebuild with many. Now, players like Newhook and Doc, we gave up two firsts and a second to get two very average players. Then the coach is playing old vets who will not be around come 2029. So uh, not giving the ice time needed to young players so they can actually get better. I got news uh, for everyone that thinks this team will uh, get there. Nick and Cole will not get any better. They are $8 million second-line players. Sure, there are odd nights where uh, we can compete, but the best of seven for first line gets destroyed uh, by all contending teams' first lines. That means uh, second and third lines with less ice time have to make up the difference and be better most nights but that means asking lesser players to score with consistency to make up the difference sure when two teams have equal powered first lines the second and third lines can make a difference but you need to have two elite forwards to lead the first line and that's a very well thought out comment i enjoyed reading through that and it's true that uh, montreal certainly does lack a certain amount of uh Firepower. What did you think about this one, Rick? Well, it's fascinating because, um, as we know, um, Jeff Gorton, Kent Hughes have said they wanted to accelerate 
the rebuild. Um, so they're not building in the usual way. They're taking some of their picks um, and bringing in young um, young players. Um, he mentions uh, Alex Newhook and Kirby Dock, giving up a lot to to bring in those players. Um, but it asks the question whether it's it's a, a Newhook or Dock or um, Suzuki or Caulfield. Where are the elite players? Players. Where are the the players who uh, can compete effectively with um, uh, the first line of um, other teams, and um, and and I think it's a fair question to ask, and we don't know the answer to that just yet. Uh, whether this experiment is going to um, whether work out or and pay off, it it hasn't so far. Mostly given to injury, the injury situation um, in particular, Kirby Dock and, and Alex Newhook. Um, but I think, and and he also points out, he or she points out that, um, you know, there are nights where the Canadians look good and can compete, um, but we need to prepare for the playoffs, uh, and that's a seven-game series, and that's where you're going to head, going head-to-head every night. You can't just have, you know, a, a fortunate night or a night where every everything's firing in the same direction and look good. Um, there's a lot more work to do, and... Uh, in this person's um, opinion, uh, the Canadians are not yet close. Yeah, I think that's uh, certainly a fair comment. And uh, Rick, uh, we have one more comment from YouTube to read out. Yeah, and again, this is um, last week's podcast was, can the Canadians win a Stanley Cup in the next five years, um, both on the on our, our pod, podcast platform, on all the podcast apps, and on YouTube. Uh, this one comes from Jeff Nuri, uh, 3425. Uh, Jeff says uh, the Canadians shot themselves in the foot when they made the team better right away by acquiring Doc and Monaghan in the first year of the rebuild. If they didn't do those moves and didn't pick up Monaghan, they would have easily had uh, either Bedard, Fantilli, or Carlson. Then the following year, they could start to wheel and deal and try to make the team better. We could have had Slaff in 2022, an elite center, the ones he mentioned in 2023, and a top D-man in this year's draft, 2024. We know that that um, uh, the 2024 draft is is heavy on on defensemen, not so much forwards. Um, he goes, Jeff goes on to to say, uh, then you do whatever you want to find the right chemistry and vets to round out your team. Instead, we are still missing that first round. 1A, 1B center, uh, and I'm not sure where we'll find it. I do think that they still have the ability to be a good team in the near future, but not an elite team, um, not top four or five in the league. The only way we can be an elite team is if Doc is able to become that 1A, 1B center, as well as Slaff, Reinbacker, and Hudson all reaching their full potential. The chances that all four happen um, simultaneously is, is quite low. So great comment there from uh, Jeff as well. Uh, certainly uh, a couple of people pointing out uh, the lack of uh, elite talent and star power that's uh, in the pipeline for the Montreal Canadiens and uh, not a ton of uh, faith for uh, their center ice position, right? Yeah, I think so. I, and I think that um, what he's you know saying is these are good players. Suzuki is a good player. Caulfield is a good player. Doc is a good player. Um, but when you're, when you're in a rebuild, when you're at the bottom of, um, the standings, uh, you should be able to, to reach out and grab, um, that elite talent that's going to change your franchise, 
Um, and the Canadians just haven't done that, even though they've they've had a number one overall pick and number five overall pick. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so with that, uh, we'd like to remind everyone that uh, we have a Montreal Canadiens game coming up uh, next week. Uh, the next game out of the All-Star break is going to be Montreal versus Washington. And a little reminder that uh, you can uh, check that out uh, for our Rocket Sports live stream on YouTube. Just uh, You can find us at youtube.com slash allhabs and uh, join Nathan and myself uh, to have a lot of fun on that stream. And with that, uh, I think that's going to be a wrap for us today. Thank you all for tuning in and listening. Uh, Make sure that you're subscribed to the Canadians Connection podcast in the player or on any of your favorite podcasting apps. You can also share it on social media if you like what you heard. Enjoy the week. We'll be back here next Saturday, February the 10th for another great episode. Thank you for listening to the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. Click subscribe so you never miss an episode of Canadians Connection. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Rocket Sports.